Hey, everyone. Welcome to Unorthodox. It's the Thanksgiving show. And maybe every year for the Thanksgiving show, we will welcome your letters. That's what we're doing today. I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Butnick. Hello. And Leah Leibowitz. Shalom, y'all. Shalom. And hopefully you are stuck in traffic on the New Jersey Turnpike. And you have nothing to do but listen to back episodes of Unorthodox. And you finally, as the traffic's moving, have caught up with this episode. As we've been promising for weeks, we are going to take your letters today. You've sent us dozens and dozens since we began a few months back. And today we're going to be talking to three of you. We actually have got three of you on the line to talk about your letters. And then we've invited a couple actors to come in and read some of our favorite letters. So throughout today's episode, you're also going to hear readings by wonderful New York City actor-comedians Joe Firestone. She'll be reading the women's letters. And also actor Connor Ratliff, who will be doing some of the men's letters. And then at the end, we have a special musical medley of your letters put together by the terrific Jim Nabel, New York City singer-songwriter. Okay, the letter that I wanted to respond to from our our vast mailbox of letters, uh, came a few weeks ago from Justin Crow, who is a professor of political science at Williams College in Williamstown, Massachusetts. He writes, Dear Unorthodox, I think I'm your fairly typical secular Jew. Despite a Catholic father and a nominally Jewish mother who had no real Jewish upbringing, I went to Hebrew school, had a bar mitzvah, and then pretty much gave up on it. I never go to services. Indeed, I consider myself an atheist and am consciously not raising my kids with organized Judaism. I had a secular wedding, and my non-practicing Christian wife and I celebrate both sets of holidays with our kids. I remember the Hebrew prayers for lighting the menorah, which we do, and the four questions for Passover, which we don't really celebrate beyond my making harosa, but not much more. Still, I refer to myself all the time in public without fear or shame as Jewish. After all, I grew up on Long Island, my parents own a bagel store, and I'm constantly quoting Seinfeld. I utter Yiddish phrases not infrequently, and so forth. Which brings me to the oddity of yesterday. I was enjoying your latest episode while grocery shopping. The woman in front of me in the checkout line asked what I was listening to. And for reasons I can't quite explain, I instinctively lied. Oh, just a podcast from Slate called The Gist. Both my profession, academia, and my small New England town are full of progressive, congenial, friendly folks. And I've never really felt anti-Semitism at work or in the community. And yet I lied about listening to a podcast by and for Jews. I've never hid my Judaism before, not in class, where I joke about being Jewish all the time, not among friends or colleagues, not anywhere. I don't consider myself self-hating, so I don't quite know what to make of this. If anything, listening to your podcast and becoming close friends with the Jewish studies professor across the hall has made me identify more strongly as Jewish. And yet, here I was effectively covering up my Judaism, or at least not saying something that would disclose it. I immediately felt weird. Why did I lie to this random woman? And what does that say about me? Why am I so obsessed that I lied to this random woman? And what does that say about me? Yours truly, Justin Crow. All right. Well, Justin, uh, good to have you on the line with us here this morning. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. So I've been thinking about your letter a lot. And um, let me ask you this. So you say that there's no anti-Semitism in your town, no more than the usual smattering that exists no yeah. more than is absolutely necessary. Right? <laughs> no more is absolutely necessary. But I want to ask you this: like, d- does anyone in town walk around with a yarmulke on? Uh, no, aside from the rabbi at the college and a couple of rabbis who have a um, seems like a study group at the coffee shop at the end of the street. Uh, no, right. And do you have any friends who say go to religious services twice a month? Any Jewish friends? 
any friends at all? Yeah, I think there's some. I think there's some weekly churchgoers. But you're you're in a functionally Jewish observance-free community, as far as you know. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I diagnose this as a very basic case of, uh, you know, not wanting to stick out. You know. It's not that you perceive that there's anti-Semitism. It's that you perceive correctly that if you were the Jewish guy, people would perceive you as the Jew, which they would. And then I I think there's some truth to that. I mean, I think it also, as I've been trying to think back on it, there's a weird way in which, um, I don't know, I think there's something about my comfort level with my brand of Judaism versus what listening to a podcast about Jews would suggest to others about my brand of Judaism. That strikes me as really correct. Before we even proceed, though, let me ask you a question. Why is it that you're listening to this show? What what pleasure do you take here? I, I don't mean this, to, you know, I, I don't mean to sound crass or, or rude. No, but, we're genuinely but, curious. In fact, <laughs> what pleasures do you get In here fact, every week? We're honored to be your Jewish friends. We're, we're your three Jewish friends. But like we're from a distance. Like you don't have to Jewish have us over. On the radio. What, what do you like about us? What do I like about you? Um, I like the irreverence. I like the... Um, the witty repartee. I like the back and forth between the three of you. I mean, I, I started listening, I guess, um, when I heard an ad for it on, I don't know what, what later. Probably the gist. <laughs> Probably the gist. <laughs> but, but you know what I think? Like, this reminds, I mean, what I love about this exchange, not, it's not that it happened, but is that it's, like, really upsetting you. You're, like, it's staying with Absolutely. you. And it kind of reminds me of, like, this Chabad interactions I have where someone says, are you Jewish? And I say, like, instinctively no, or, like, just ignore them. And then I feel this, like, guilt and like guilt. all these feelings that I, I don't know that people who could just say yes feel like they just say yes and do whatever they maybe say no thanks but this to is the no, prayer I think that's exactly right there's lots of uh, sort of guilt and discomfort and <laughs> that the obsessing obsessing over it you know the next like, day it means you're Jewish I, mean, I talked to my colleague across the hall the next day I you know wrote to you guys yeah I mean it's as though there's the sort of embodiment of my mother's Jewish guilt in my head about not admitting to being Jewish uh, and that that somehow I don't know sort of eats at me in some way well, to take a Freudian tone here, but perhaps uh, it's more than just the guilt of the mother, yeah? You know, there, there, there's, there's some sort of, and, and I think the Chabad, you know, equivalent here of being asked, you know, hey, are, are you Jewish? Do you want to put in fill in is, is precisely right, because in some way, Justin, really, for you to have answered, you know, hey, I listen to this Jewish podcast and identify so outwardly as Jewish would have been awkward too, right? I mean, because it's not like there's anything about you, I, I presume, that you could point to and say, I'm so profoundly Jewish at the core. Like, if you ever asked me that question, I'd have no problem because I, that's all I identify as. I mean, I, I'm like a thousand percent Jewish. Like, You're barely anything else. I'm barely, barely, barely anything else. Uh, but it's interesting to me to, 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 to see people, you know, try to find ways into this in an age in which the kind of real way into this, which used to be synagogue, right, which used to be organized religion, no longer offers the same pathways. But can we just talk about the fact that, like, she asked you what you were listening to? That is a crazy question. That is so rude. Like, you know, it's like if someone, like, wants to see your iTunes playlist, like, your your song list, and you're like, that's actually, like, my soul. I don't you, think that's rude at all. You can see the things I'm think, listening to privately. He wasn't playing it out loud. I think that's civil society. I think asking strangers friendly. That is such a no, Massachusetts yeah, like, thing it's, to say. It's, it's, it no one in New York at, like, would ever, ever be like, Square. what are like, you listening to? Why are you and, talking to me? Like, you're listening to Sam Smith, and you'd be like, <laughs> oh, no, uh, Father John Misty, because I'm cool. <laughs> 
Justin, it's not her business. I I go back and forth on this on Stephanie's point because on the one hand, when I when I go to the grocery store, that's my sort of hour of that day or of that week. Your time. Me and I just escape your kids and listen to things. On the other hand, I do have you know sort of George's voice from Seinfeld in my head that says we're living in a society, people, right? And that you're supposed to sort of interact. Seinfeld a lot. But okay, can I? I have a really important question. Can we talk about this bagel shop on Long Island that your parents owned? Sure, absolutely. Is there anything better than your parents owning a bagel shop? You know, I have a very weird relationship with bagels. I mean, so my, my father uh, used to bring me to the bagel shop when I was a kid in the middle of the night when he would wake up to, to start cooking at, you know, 3 in the morning. So I used to sleep on the flower bags in the back of the bagel store. And so I have this very strange relationship between that, between my parents always coming home with what we call bagel gunk on the bottom of their shoes, which is like seeds and water and all this stuff fused together. So I actually don't really eat bagels. I was this weird kid in elementary school and middle school who my friends always wanted my parents to bring in bagels to class for class parties and things like that and I would and I never ate them so I, I don't know this is this complicates my my Judaism because it's it's the sort of one of my most Jewish connections and yet it's one that I sort of hold at a distance yeah you're but like locks okay bagels eh if I grew up you know covered in bagel gunk <laughs> and someone asked me what podcast I would listen to I'd be like so, something in German right <laughs> don't worry about it Justin, I feel like we would be doing it wrong if we didn't leave you with some advice. And okay. I'm, I'm going to give you some advice, which is I think that there's a little tiny, you know, a kernel, a rock of, of shame, self-loathing, of wanting to, to pass. And I think all people who are minorities in, in a culture that's something else kind of want to pass sometimes and like being able to pass. But I think ultimately uh, the cure is you have to just like you, you have to be out and proud. And I'll tell you my own solution to this. Which, because I, I fight this battle too, which is that when people ask, what are you now? And what they're asking is like, what's your religion? What's your ethnicity? Why do you, you know, why do you have that nose? Whatever they're asking me. Uh, I say, I'm a Jew. I don't even say I'm Jewish because I think the adjective kind of sells it short. It's like, no, this is who I am. And I feel like it's, it's like if you're the black person who's dealing with certain kinds of, you know, wanting to pass and you gotta, you have to claim it in sort of a black power, you have to grow out a big afro. Justin, I have, I have better advice. Okay. Uh, here's here's how you make life that much better for you. By the end of the year, you get twenty of your closest friends in town to listen to this podcast. <laughs> and and yeah. next time someone asks, be like, "Oh, wow, the podcast everyone in town listens to." Of course, that's it. That's all I you have. I have even to do. better advice for you: do not talk to anyone in the grocery store. That is your time. Justin, gay gazint. If you want some Yiddish, go be healthy, go well. Thank you. Uh, I enjoyed listening, and uh, thanks so much for calling. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. Asked for feedback, read a podcast. Sorry, guys, nothing good to say. Tedious, shallow. I'd rather read. When reading, when I hit a tedious, shallow patch, I can skip ahead while still seeing what is there. With podcast, I actually have to listen to know what the content is. And if the content is drivel, as the podcast I listen to is then I have wasted my time. Did you notice that the commentary on the way Hasidic men dress is totally fatuous and bigoted? Or don't you care? So if you are aiming for a millennial audience, an audience you think responds better to podcasts than to written word, you underestimate your demographic unless you are aiming for an uneducated, shallow, immature millennial audience. Lots of luck. 
Guess what? I'm not a millennial. I'm a cultured, educated, professionally active, liberal, progressive, Zionist, secular, Jewish, 73-year-old woman. What you got for my demographic, yo? Yours truly, Merle Malovsky. Wow, what an angry, angry letter. That was like an SNL skit, like a Rosanna Rosanna Dan, I know. I'm a liberal, progressive, Zionist, angry, educated woman. That was amazing. Merle, we're not just aiming for millennials. We're really aiming for everyone, but mostly like the, the dumb people you mentioned. So the letter I chose comes from a very special listener, uh, Oppenheimer 2.0, the younger, smarter, better looking, Daniel Oppenheimer. And I'm, I'm going to read out the letter. Dear Leo, let me say first that I think you're great. This is where I stop and say, yeah, I agree. I've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, and it was clear from the beginning that you were a rock star. You are a rock star. I always enjoy listening to you, so keep that in mind as I launch into what I hope is constructive criticism. Honestly, as far as I'm concerned, the letter should have ended here, but there seem to be a few more paragraphs that, for politeness sake, I would read as well. My problem is what seems to me your utter contempt for Palestinians, their political aspirations, and anyone who has any sympathy for either. Obviously, we have different positions in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and I don't want to go down the road of arguing those out. What I'd like to say, though, is that even if we grant your broader arguments on the conflict, the contempt and the glibness with which you often express it seems offensive and rather inhumane to me. Whatever else the Palestinians are, they're suffering. And they're not wielding political and military power over the Israelis. They're having that power wielded over them. Doesn't that, at a minimum, suggest that we should somehow acknowledge their basic humanity even as we critique their ideology and actions? I think at least we deserve an argument. Maybe it is the case that Palestinian society has become so toxic with hate and anti-Semitism that it deserves only contempt and disdain, and that those of us who don't realize this are fools who also deserve only contempt. But if that's what you believe is the case, at least give me the argument so I have the opportunity to take it seriously as an argument, rather than simply feeling dismissed, which is what I feel now. And if you don't believe that we're all deserving only contempt, then you should know that that's what I'm hearing, and it's leaving an increasingly bitter taste in my mouth, and you and the show may benefit from some introspection on this front. Sincerely, Daniel Oppenheimer, Austin, Texas. Hello, Daniel Oppenheimer. Hi, Leo. We have a lot of questions for you. We have a, a lot on of an questions for you. On an unrelated note, but we'll we'll get to those later. You have a lot of questions for me. Oh, do they have we anything do. to do with Liel, or you just no? Want they have the to do with our other. They have to do with Mark Oppenheimer, of course, of course. Liel, how are you feeling after that? Are you okay? I'm 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 grateful. You I'm triggered him. Genuinely grateful uh, because I I think that you bring up an interesting point uh, that. Deserves to be fleshed out at greater length. I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at this and tell me what you think. Look, you're absolutely right uh, to detect quite a bit um, of contempt in my voice. However, uh, it is supremely important to me to make clear that the contempt that I feel is not for one minute for the Palestinian people, who I believe are victims of a thoroughly corrupt leadership who has been hijacking uh, their own dreams. I mean, let's face it, there could have been a Palestinian state six or seven times over. They are victims uh, at the hand of a regime that continues to press victimization, that continues to press corruption, that continues to choose violence and anti-Semitism at every turn. The 
madness and the contempt that I feel are directed not only towards that regime, but also towards the gullible and often well-meaning, but but frequently very foolish uh, European and American and Western allies who continue to buy into that narrative that the Palestinians are forever the victims and the Israelis are forever perpetrators. I would like the rest of the world to feel the same anger that I feel and, and hold these people up to the same standards we hold Israel up to and everyone else up to, by which I mean to say, do not be corrupt, do not be violent, do not pursue weird, racist, anti-Semitic uh, slurs. And if we do that, then we could truly begin a sense of negotiation. Does that make sense to you? Well, it makes sense. And I, I mean, I think it affirms one of my one of my intuitions, which is which is the contempt is not just for the Palestinian leadership, but it's also for people like me, which um, I don't know how you would characterize it, but 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 sort of American liberal, maybe liberal Zionists, maybe left wing Zionists who who don't necessarily uh, or, or even primarily buy all of the claims of the Palestinian leadership, but certainly think it's a more complicated story than the one that you laid out right there. That, that, that there's a fair share of blame to go around, that the Israeli government or, or various Israeli governments uh, are partially to blame. And so am I right that, that there's contempt for that, too? That, that to you, this is a sort of clear and fairly stark moral issue, and that the people who don't see that, who see the shades of gray or what they perceive to be the shades of gray, are just kind of mistaken or foolish. I think that you have a point uh, in in this argument that uh, what I say uh, and how I say it uh, is not conducive, perhaps, uh, to winning or, or, or influencing or having the sort of civilized, uh, rational arguments that uh, hinge on logical points. However, sadly, I don't think uh, these are the types of debates that we have anymore when we are talking about Israel. But but you've written a book, which I understand <laughs> from your brother is very good, uh, about yeah. political conversions. Um, yeah. and, He's been bragging about it. And, you know, I hope to read it soon. We hope to have you on the, on the show to talk about it. Uh, but l- l- let me say a word about my own. Uh, I yeah. started my adult political life uh, as a solid creature of the Israeli left. I was a member of Noah Ratz and the Noah Meretz uh, piece now, Shalom, every every you know pro uh, peace movement you could imagine. I have marched uh, in rallies, uh, some of which were more extreme than others. Uh, I have done uh, whatever I could for decades uh, to advance the cause that I believed then and still believe now uh, is absolutely necessary uh, for the well-being of of everyone involved, uh, which is a peaceful resolution. When you grow up. Uh, to see your dreams sort of shattered uh, by wave after wave after wave of violence, uh, you don't necessarily feel humility as much as you feel a sense of urgency. Uh, I am not primarily interested uh, in having a sort of nice, quiet debate uh, with someone who may or may not agree with me. I am much more interested in raising awareness uh, and in kind of calling attention to a situation that I think many, 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 many more of us, including people who are very far from traditional creatures of, of, of the Israeli right or the American right, are beginning to see more and more and more. The people, so, so from my study of people for, who, who've experienced political conversions, the ones who stay most vital and flexible and creative as writers um, are the ones who maintain some kind of connection 
uh, kind of visceral, emotional, empathetic connection to who they were in their former lives. It doesn't mean they were more right in their former lives, but 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 kind of turning against that and shutting it down. No, but I, but I'm not. I'm I'm maintaining a connection to the same okay. commitment it, it, to, it the, to everybody's like right to that's, live that's peacefully and pros- prosperously side by side. That's the only thing I've ever been interested in: okay. the right the of contempt- people to live peacefully. The contempt that I'm hearing sounds like somebody who has kind of lost some sort of emotional or empathetic connection to the other side. We need to have a drink, Daniel. Oppenheimer out. <laughs> Oppenheimer out. Okay. Gentlemen, it's been so real. Dan, thanks a lot. Yep. Okay, bye. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. Dear Unorthodox, My two 40-something-year-old daughters continue to remind me that I have never been groovy and hip to the beat. They are probably correct in their assessment, but I've never quite understood what either of those things I have not ever been is. I have been a faithful subscriber to the tablet and use that website as an almost daily reference to let others know what's right and what's wrong with this Meshuggah planet. With unorthodox, as the younger generation likes to say, not so much. Call me a stodgy old Jew if you want, but I know what I like and I don't like unorthodox, which is why I unsubscribe today. Lakayim, Mike Cook. episode's pretty fancy. Um, We've done it in a few different sittings, and our fearless leader, Mark Oppenheimer, is not in the studio with us for this segment. Joke's on him. Big mistake. Okay, so my favorite letter of all the letters we've received comes from Sippy Turner. Um, I'm going to read it to you. It says, Hi, Unorthodox. Thank you for highlighting the Maharat female clergy issue this week. As an Orthodox feminist woman, this is an issue that has been very upsetting this week. I agree with you that there will probably be a divide within the Orthodox community. People will have to be on one side of the issue or the other. I also want to tell you that my husband and I have been listening to you since the first podcast. And my 16-year-old sons, yes, twins, insist that I save the podcast for our car ride to school. So every Thursday morning, we listen to you in the car. When we get to school, they insist that I pause the podcast so we can continue listening together during the car ride home. So you are helping provide some multi-generational bonding. Keep up the great work. Sincerely, Sippy. Hello? Hi, Sippy. Hi. So tell us who's who's there, who's on the line. Okay, so I'm I'm Sippy. I'm, I'm the mom of the family. Ian, the dad of the family. Ralphie, the son of the family. And Galvi, the other and better son of the family. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just so excited that we've shored up the 16-year-old boy demographic, because that is like what we've been trying to reach. Well, it's, it's also the 48-year-old boy demographic. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's like what Liel gets at. I think. That's yeah. That's that's where I'm coming from. So, so tell me, tell me about those car rides to school. Where, where do you guys live? Where's school? Um, well, we live in Central Phoenix, and our school's in downtown Phoenix. So it's about a 15-minute ride. So that's about or 20 minutes. So it's about like half of the podcast. So we listen to the first half, and then we pause and go on the way home. The rest of the podcast. And so what happens if, like, you guys get home and there's still, like, three minutes left? Oh, we, we've done that, and we've stayed in the car before just to listen to the rest. That is, like, the ultimate mark of, of success for a podcast, I think, when you're like, Mom, don't turn the car off. we got to finish. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it is. So, I mean, like, what do you want to hear us talk about? Like, we have the whole family. Like, what can we do to make your, like, what can we do to make your car ride to school better? And we'll do it. I mean, yeah, we, we'll we, do anything. We, prom- we pledge right now. 
Tell us, tell us what do you want to hear? Um, maybe a little more sports related things. No. <laughs> uh, more we, sports, we could do that. We, we could definitely do more sports. What what else? Keep the jokes coming. The jokes. Uh, all right, so Tippy, I, I have to ask you. I mean, set the scene for us. You're driving. What, what kind of car do you guys have? We, we have a Honda Pilot. It's a okay. mommy mobile. Perfect. So you're in your Honda Pilot, and you're sitting there, and the two, I can, I can tell by the voice, right? Two adorable young men in the back seat, and in comes, on comes, on our podcast, Bacheva Marcus. And, and she's, you know, she's talking about <laughs> some things. She's saying some words. You sex know, therapist. Some, some, some sex, uh, you know, sex therapist, Bacheva Marcus, talking about some... Uh, explicit stuff what what goes through your head zippy knowing that that your two teenage boys are sitting right there listening to words like clitoris and other (laughs) other things well i i'm sure that it's nothing they haven't already heard before so you know uh i'll probably be a little bit uncomfortable but i do believe in open communication even if it makes me a little uncomfortable so uh i will i will get through it so did, did our podcast facilitate the uh, birds and the bees talk? Are you finally going to have that with the boys? <laughs> we could do it on the air if Yeah, because if so, we're right here for you. <laughs> you want to be a part of that family dynamic. So Mark couldn't be in the studio today. Um, he's on a reporting trip, but he would be so sad to miss you guys because he loves the idea that there is a family that is being brought together by unorthodox. I would like to say that if you are ever in Phoenix, then you are all invited for a Shabbat meal anytime you want. Oh my God! Thank we you will, so we much. We will do a podcast live from your Shabbat table. And, and, <laughs> well, that would get us in trouble. And, yeah. and my wife never invites anybody, so that's like a big deal. Wow, <laughs> we are honored. So you guys have—I know you guys have to get to school. So um, have a great ride and Shabbat Shalom. And listen to us on the way. Shabbat All right, Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank, Thank you. you. Unorthodox. People like Professor Dershowitz, and there are a lot of them out there in the Gola, drive me insane. Hello. I feel a little sad that you don't have anyone who identifies as a cultural, your word, or secular ethnic Jew on the panel, because then maybe there wouldn't be a smattering of insulting dismissiveness about us throughout the episodes. Dear Unorthodox, slow the fuck down. Hi guys, I've been listening to your podcast since you launched, and I've got to say, I just adore you. I'm a Gentile from Iowa who really doesn't have much Jewish influence in my life, but I read a lot about Judaism from studying German and living in Germany. It wasn't all about the Holocaust, don't worry. Dear Unorthodox, when Koufax declined to pitch in the World Series on Yom Kippur, it was not an earth-shaking event, except maybe for Dodger fans. Anyway, I wanted to write and say thank you. I've been questioning a lot of things in my life and wondering how I can tie some pieces together, and it was your Yom Kippur episode that really moved me. 
I write a lot of poems, almost every day, one with a Jewish connection. Cold fascination with human disaster. Sells papers and attracts us to the evening news. But no disasters make man feel aghaster. Than those that are alleged to have been caused by Jews. If not directly, well then, indirectly. If not Zion's elders, then the lobby that is Jewish. Such claims since made politically correctly. Wreck havoc even when not even slightly truish. But can't be contradicted without quite inevitable support from members of the tribe. To whom I dedicate this verse and write. This dismal dirge and dire diatribe. Yours truly, Gershon Hepner. That was incredible. Also, I had no idea that Truish rhymes with Jewish, and that just like blew my mind. Now you know. It's Truish. Guys. Thank you so, so much. We love your letters. We, we read them ourselves. We have actors come into the studio to read them. But we did not stop there. Here's singer-songwriter Jim Nabel, who has put your words to music. And keep in mind, every word he sings appears in an email that we have received here at Unorthodox. Hi, Mark, Leo, and Stephanie. Imagine my surprise to hear my last name stands out Something I have known Since adopting it ten years ago But I've always wondered Is it the most Jewish name? Funnier though was thinking I have three Hebrew names too I'm not sure where they all came from But I was laughing when you named Emily during the last segment of this week's show Thinking if you think Leventhal Wiener is a mouthful I also have Rachel River to die in my back pocket Is it the most Jewish name? Is it the most Jewish name? Is it the most Jewish name? Hoping you have a great week Smiles, Rachel. Hi, Unorthodox team. I really like your podcast and just wanted to share another perspective on what it's like as a Jew to be proselytized to. I'm not sure how much interaction with Jews of Jesus and other similar organizations any of you have. But proselytizing isn't always that funny. When I was an elementary school student, a public school in North Carolina in the 90s, this isn't some old-timey tale. A teacher gave me her rabbi's business card. Her rabbi was from a messianic group. This is not an uncommon practice. Messianic Jews and Jews for Jesus. An organization known for very manipulative conduct towards Jewish teenagers in particular. Because proselytizing isn't always that funny. But on a side note, would you keep making Manischewitz jokes? <laughs>
I like your unorthodox report a lot. Find most, though not interesting. I would prefer if you would post each interview separately So I don't have to go through the ones that don't interest me I must say it is on the difficult side To sit for 37 minutes at my computer Listening but not having anything to watch at the same time and perhaps I have developed a Sesame Street mentality But I need more to keep my interest For such a long time Judy Crossing the boundary Leaders of other spiritual paths crossing the boundary. Jewish leaders of other spiritual paths. I was just introduced to your podcast and think you might be interested in my published book. In it, I explore through interviews of 14 Jews who teach within 14 on Jewish spiritual lineages, a wide range of subjects. I'm sure you and your audience would appreciate the discussions about going from Jewish families to become Catholic, Buddhist, Sikh, etc. And the thoughts about tribal identity and leading a spiritual path crossing the boundary. All these Jewish leaders and other spiritual paths crossing the boundary. That's my book. Oh, it's a Jewish leaders of other spiritual paths. And explore more about the book at crossingtheboundary.org And you can contact me if you'd like to discuss it And how it might fit in with your program I mean, fit in with your program All the best Alan Levin www.crossingtheboundary.org So, Jim Nabel, uh, singer-songwriter, playwright, freaking genius. That was amazing. Thank you. I, I had fun doing it. Okay, we're, we're going to do, uh, you know, in, inside the uh, musician studio, behind the music with you now. Great. So, so kindly, you, you, you agreed to uh, help us transform our letters into this uh, master musical masterpiece. Uh, tell me, so, so you're sitting there in, in your uh, undoubtedly beautiful, spacious, sunny New York apartment, and, and you receive these letters. What's the first thing that goes to your mind when, when you read them? Um, I was really interested in the, the different kind of genres they represented, sort of like the, uh, you know, the promotional genre and the, the one about the names. And, you know, so for me, it was about categorizing and then figuring out how to deal with them. I like my favorite category of letters is like indignantly outraged. Yeah. And it's like, why? Well, I have a lot of dreams that are um, sort of righteous indignation dreams. So I kind of really identify with those. But I, do you, I think it's, do it's you put an- them into writing and then like send them to the people? No, I just leave them in the dreams and then talk about them later to other people. Yeah, like to therapists and people. Yeah, yeah, I don't really have a therapist yet, but there's time. Well, you have a guitar that sounds, seems that, to be doing I, the work. I think I do guitar therapy. Yeah. So, how do you, when you listen to these songs, does 
a particular musical style suggests itself because that last letter for example it was it was you know i'm sure a, a lovely yeah. you know scholarly person just promoting a book that sounds actually very interesting and, and you kind of found something really aggressive like crossing the boundary about it yeah. Yeah. and at first i misread it so i was doing crossing the border which was a little more you know topical <laughs> but um yeah it was uh for me i was looking for kind of titles and uh sort of song lyrics that would jump out at me so for that one um you felt something aggressive about it something punk rock about it. it it was saying the words crossing the boundary you know which which is really fun to say and then feeling the rhythm to it and it has an aggression to it that was really appealing and now it's like all i want to do is go to crossingtheboundaries.org well it's a great advertisement for it so, <laughs> yeah. yeah so basically what i would like you to do is just to like read my inbox to me instead of having to read emails sure is that a service that you provide because i would pay whatever for that uber well, but for great. <laughs> Uh, yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll do it for, what, $100 an hour? There you have it. Okay. Listeners, you heard it here first. If you want, uh, for the very reasonable price of $100 an hour, if you want Jim Nable to uh, compose your inbox to you and, and start your day in a much more civilized way, then you, you know where to go. Thank you. Jim Nable, what is your, like, crossingtheboundaries.org? How do we get to you? Oh, well, I was going to say it's jimnable.com. But, can, you, can you say uh, it Can you say us? it in a song? Yeah. It's www.jimnable.com And how does one spell Nable? Oh, uh, that's that's hard. It's K N as in Nancy, A B as in boy, L E. Thank you, Jim. That was amazing. Okay. You just like made our lives. I'm happy to do it again in any variation. We we will definitely take you up on that. All right. Take care. I'm Crossing the that. boundaries. The songs I'm, I'm going to listen to it like a million times today. You've been listening to a special letter writers edition of Unorthodox. Thanks for your contributions. Keep those letters coming. Unorthodox at tabletmag.com is our inbox. We read all of our mail, and we're going to do more shows with you in the future. We'll be at the Washington, D.C. JCC on December 15th and the American Hebrew Academy in Greensboro, North Carolina on January 25th. Come out and see us. Our podcast is produced by Julie Subrin with assistance from Sarah Ivry. Rabbinical supervision is by the entire graduating class of Reconstructionist Rabbinical College 2004. A big shout out to all of you. And a big thank you to Joe Firestone, Connor Ratliff, and Jim Nabel. Joe and Connor did our letter voicings, and Jim did our musical numbers. Shalom, y'all. We'll see you next week.